0: This is Dental All-Stars, where we bring you the best in dentistry on marketing, management, and training. Welcome to Dental All-Stars. I'm Eric Vickery, lead mastery coach at All-Star Dental Academy and president of Vickery Coaching. And I'm excited to interview our guest today, Dr. Mike Kaliska. He graduated from USC Dental School in 2007. You're so young, my goodness. Uh, He's been practicing dentistry for 14 years. He worked as an associate for seven years and then purchased his practice in 2014 in Los Osos, a little town on the California Central Coast. It's beautiful there, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. Really nice place. To yeah.
0: Um, um, even though you're a Dodger fan, we're just talking about that. And I'm a Giants <laughs> fan and we're in the middle of something right now. We're going mm-hmm. to be at peace, right? <laughs> All right. Yes, That's right. Uh, let's see. A majority of your practice, it's been traditional crown and bridge, restorative. You've got this emphasis on cosmetic dentistry you do a little bit of everything, endo, ortho, oral surgery, treating TMJ related issues. And so I want everybody listening to know, this is a typical dental practice that we coach. And it's, this is a great example for us to use today. And the reason I'm interviewing Dr. Kabliska is because of the transition he's made out of the uh, severe or the pressure that the insurance companies place on him. And so we were able to resign from some plans. So we're going to talk about that. And so, You see, you bought your practice. It was an in-network practice with many insurances.
1: And over the last
0: four years, we started working together in 2017. But over the last four years, you've been able to resign from those uh, insurance companies until only one remained. And that was the Delta PPO plan. Because again, uh, you had bought this practice after that 2012. And so, and recently, very recently, you were able to move yourself from PPO Delta Dental to Premier Delta Dental. That's very exciting, isn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> and on the uh, you know the personal side, you've been married for eleven years to your wonderful wife Nina, and you guys have three beautiful kids. I've seen them; they are gorgeous. Ages nine, seven, and five. So, welcome, Doctor Kabliska. We've been doing this series with dentists on how to really figure out is being in-network worth it? And and what was your story? How did you go from being in-network with, with PPO plans to resigning from those plans and being insurance-free? And so I'm very excited for other offices listening to hear your story on that. And, and your story is going to help them decide, should they keep the in-network thing going or does it make more sense to move out of network? Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Awesome. So glad you're here. So when you went from that, let's talk about your associateship days when you were an associate and you're practicing and you're working in this office, obviously it must be a bigger office because they have an associate, right?
1: Right. Yep.
0: What was the, how did you grow up in that? you know, I, I talk about, you know, you, you grow up a, a Chevy guy, you're going to probably own a Chevy when you're older or four, you're going to be four, but you learned something there about participation. And, and I'm curious what that, what that was like for you.
1: Sure. As an associate, especially initially, I didn't really know much about insurance and didn't care to know I was learning about all the other aspects of dentistry. And then as I got more comfortable and I began to learn about it, you see the ups and downs of being in network with insurance companies. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when I bought my practice, the previous dentist that I bought from, he was in network with all of these insurance companies. And so I just adopted all of them when I transitioned as the new owner.
0: Absolutely. And it was more like, this is what, this is normal business. is what you do, right?
1: Right. Because yeah, the previous office that I worked at, because it was so busy, they were in network with every insurance company as well. So I just, I guess had an assumption that that's kind of what most people did or that's how most offices worked.
0: Yeah. I had a, a client tell me, he said, um, the perception was if you weren't in network. You wouldn't have any patients. Therefore you couldn't practice. Right. Yes. Right.
1: Yeah. I think I probably had that idea as well.
0: Just what we think. We just kind of think that's, that's how it's supposed to be and grow up. And then all of a sudden people started talking to you or something happened. What, what changed your, or opened your mind to the thought of, well, maybe I don't need to be in network with insurances or was there a frustration? What happened?
1: You know, I was, really busy i have a pretty small office it's only three ops and so i'm I'm fairly limited on space and i was pretty busy and i realized that the amount of time i spend working with the ppo patients getting reimbursed at a very low rate is not time well spent when i have other cash patients uh that would pay a lot more for the same amount of work i didn't change anything i just got reimbursed less for the amount of work that i was doing
0: yeah and so there was this realization.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I realized that I, I, I'd much rather do the same work, but just get reimbursed at a better rate. And, and I didn't have to be in the intern's networks to do that. I had enough patients that I could yeah. do without them.
0: Yeah. How many ops do you have now?
1: Still three. Same Three number.
0: ops. And you're. A, I would say you're a million dollar practice within that, right? Yes. We look yep. at that every year. We look at those numbers We say million dollar practice. I'll make sure you're okay with me sharing those numbers. I've gotten your permission to do that. So, yep. you know, I, I want to share with this there, but, you know, you have to build your practice a certain style, a certain vision, and and part of your physical plant plays a huge role in that, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: You know, we've talked about, man, you're so busy. How do we get more space here? How do we get another chair out of this? How do we do yeah, something right. and keep running to that brick wall? But you decided in 2017, right? Mm -hmm. So three years into owning your own practice, you decide, you know what, I want to do something different. And it was just that realization of what's happening. Why is this going? So from 2017 busyness to, to, and then 2018, we made that shift. We made those changes. We resigned from, I think, four plans at once, six plans at once. What was it?
1: You know, we kind of rolled through them on a rolling basis. I can't remember exactly how it was, but I think we did like a couple at a time over the period of like six months. Okay. We, we, we do, you know, a couple this month, a couple that month, a couple next month.
0: I have it here. One, two, three, four, five, six. So there were seven plans.
1: Okay.
0: And eight was Delta. Yeah. Okay. Eight was Delta. But the seven plans were 16% of your practice. Mm-hmm. Not too bad. And I always tell clients, look, you can deal with 16 to 20% of your practice, no problem in the resignation process. That is really easy to do. And and I want to set those aside for a moment because later on in our conversations with us talking about things, it's funny. It's like the more coaching we did, we started to realize some things. And one of the things we realized was, oh my gosh, yes, you bought the practice in 2014, but you credentialed with Delta prior to 2012. Wait a second here. So let's talk, tell us about that. What happened with that Delta PPO premier thing? You were both PPO and premier, right? Right.
1: Yeah. And we, a large percentage of my patients are Delta PPO patients or, and Delta premier patients. Um, and so we had kind of made an assumption that I, it would be a big risk to move out of network or to, to drop Delta PPO. Yeah. And so we held that one for the last, well, since we started working together. So, you know, for the last four years, since we started talking about it, I've maintained in network status with Delta PPO. Yeah, And only recently in the last, three months, did I, was I able to move out of Delta PPO and become premier only?
0: Yeah. So again, and this is something that I want to talk about with people listening over and over and over again. There was this cutoff around 2012 with Delta where before that they were just so, I'll say, I'll say they weren't transparent. I'll put it nicely. And they said, Hey, you want access to PPO patients and you want access to our premier network patients. You want both. And what that did when you were premier so you got UCR rate, then you got fifteen percent reduction to be premier rate, and you got another twenty percent reduction. Would you say with PPO, mm-hmm. right? Yep. You got this this PPO rate down here, and what happens is you want both, you want access to both. Well, ninety percent of their plans are both. And do you think Delta is going to reimburse you at that premier rate up here? They're going to reimburse reimburse at the PPO rate, right? Yes, the so. DPO. It just turned all those premier plans down here to the PPO rate. And you and I were looking at it over and over again saying, why is the hygiene production for a patient stuck? It's stuck at this ceiling. We couldn't get over that ceiling, that goal we wanted to get to. And what we realized was it's this PPO thing. So we had you call Delta and say, hey, when did I credential? We found out it was before 2012. We said, all right, we're going to resign from just PPO and just be premier only because you had the ability to do that, right? Correct. Yep. Yeah. So now five and and so share with everyone. You you did some discovery. You actually taught me something on this, which I love. All my clients teach me something, which I love. But you went and looked for. Well, if I were to resign from PPO and just be Premier, how many patients am I going to lose? And you discovered something in your research. What was that?
1: Yeah, one of my uh, front desk people was told by I believe is I believe is a Delta employee. If you look on the Delta PPO and it's got a. I can't even remember what it is. It's got a little letter next to it. T, a little um, TM,
0: little TM yeah. next. It says uh, Delta Dental PPO TM.
1: Yes, I'm going on their their call on that, but they said that that means that then they've got a Premier uh, plan as well.
0: It's associated. So, what percentage of the time did you guys see where? Hey, this is just a PPO plan only.
1: In all of our so far, we've gone through every plan, and I I think we're it's under ten people total wow. out, of, you know hundreds or yeah. closer to a thousand probably people
0: so your your delta population was 575 people uh when we looked at it originally 40 percent of the practice yeah and i mean that is ha- i mean half of a percent so usually <laughs> i tell yeah i tell people about five percent of the plan so in your case it would have been 25 patients maybe uh let's see i think that's right uh, that would be PPO only. Now, if you go from PPO only up to Premier, you're going to lose those PPO only patients, but you're only losing 5% of your practice to gain about 20% reimbursement on the 95% who stay. Right. If you have that ability to do that, it's a no brainer. That's what we're hoping. But you guys did the research. You looked at all your groups. You went online, looked at the breakdown, and said, oh, all these plans are Premier. They're Premier. They're Premier. So, For those listening, it's really something that you want to do your homework on. And and obviously, we can help you, but you can do your homework and say, all right, well, what percentage of my practice is Delta? Usually, we see that 40 to 45% range. And what percentage of that Delta population is PPO only? Now, you look at it and say, before 2012, why did I sign up for both? Think of all those years where I lost 20% of that, right? Maybe more. Okay. So, check. Now we're went from PPO to premier, but let's talk about the other insurances here, the other 15%. So we talked about this. We said, all right, for six months at a time, you're going to have these conversations with your patients. Yeah. What did you What did you say to patients? What was their reaction? What gave you peace of mind to say, okay, this is the right decision for me to make.
1: First, when I talked to patients, I just let them know that we were making a change and we would st- still accept their insurance we were just making a change in our status with their insurance company we're now out of network but we'll still build their insurance companies and especially for the initial part of it we told them we will we'll take our time we'll see what happens at this next appointment and and uh then we'll know what it'll be like going forward and that worked pretty well i got very little pushback or we got very little, uh, very few people who moved offices because of it. There were some, but it was a pretty small number. It wasn't very many. Um, And so it actually wasn't a very difficult transition at all. Um, We were able just to get reimbursed at a higher rate for doing exactly the same thing that we were doing before.
0: Uh, So that's the funny thing about this. When you realize, you think, why was I in network before? Did that cross your mind?
1: Oh yeah. It still does today. And but it, you know, I, I, it's, it's always what you know now versus what you didn't know before.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. You look back at it and you go, wait a second. They were paying me 40% less than what I want. You know, my normal fee uh, for mm-hmm. something that now they pay a hundred percent of and the patient still doesn't pay anything for the pro fee, you know, whatever well, it is, I'm thinking preventive, well, but, mm-hmm. and, and okay. So what everybody listening out there that's worried about like, pulling this plug and, and going through a six month conversation with their patients. A couple of things. One, we don't send a letter, right? Like don't yeah. try to do this by sending a letter. It was a conversation. That's what you're saying. Correct.
1: I talked to, talk to every patient in person when they Beautiful. were at
0: their visit or when they're their next visit has to be done. And think about this, this is the doctor willing to do this. That's why we don't recommend that you take on 50% of your practice population at once. We did it in bite-sized pieces so that you're not overwhelmed with those conversations. Okay. Right. The, the next thing is now the patient's back for a crown and they're paying 50% of a higher rate now. Have they freaked out? What's their response been? Has it been okay?
1: Yeah. It, at this point now it, it's just what they're used to. So if they've yeah. been with us the whole time then now they're used to it, it's not a thing. But initially, right. if I had already had a treatment plan with them prior to making the change, I would honor the, the, the numbers that we discussed previously. Um, but actually most people they don't know enough about insurance quite honestly to know that there's that much of a difference. They might know there's yeah. a higher number, but people just, they just said, okay, then that's what it is. That's okay.
0: Let's do some math for people listening. If you like math, you're going to love this part. <laughs> so insurance is say they pay 80% of restorative. So let's say your UCR for a filling was I'll just make up a number $250. Hopefully I can do this math now that I said $250 uh, and, and, the use so UCR is 250, but insurance said, I don't know, 40% off of that. So $80 off, right? $90. So maybe they said 150 for that. So the patient was paying 20% of 150, which would be $30, I believe. Is that right? Yep. Okay. Now they're paying 20% of 250, 50 bucks, right? So then we pay $20 more for a filling. So that part's it's it's not that big of a deal when you think about the math. It's just you're now not writing off. of what that is. Right. It's crazy. So let's, let's show them some numbers. Okay. So, okay. So I'm going to show you if you're watching on the YouTube side, you'll be able to see my screen here and let's make sure everything's working. All right. So this is your, what year is this? I got to hover over down here to see everything. All right, 2017, let's go with that first. This is when you and I started working together. And you were doing something interesting. You were not charging your in-network insurance patients, your UCR, and then doing a write-off. So you didn't have a big write-off rate. Right. What we were realizing is, why are we running into the ceiling of these fees where your production for patient hygiene was only 116 And Mm -hmm. we kept going, all right, it's the in-network fee, it's the in-network fee. So we made this call. And so your production average, you, you hit a million dollars in 2017. That's great. Your average production was 87,000. And then in 2018, was it January that we made the switch or was it some point during 2018?
1: I, I want to say it was a couple months in.
0: Yeah, I think so too. So let's flip the script. So we were at every 87,000 a month. Okay. We go to 2018, the production goes uh, to average and yet get a low December, uh, 94,000 a month. So seven seventy—that's $84,000, and you went from $1,044,000 to $1.1 $1. 1 million in production. Okay. But what does that mean for collections? Because you were not doing the write-offs, right? You went from collecting $75,700 7, $75, before, and then after the switch, you averaged $85,700, $10,000 more a month by resigning from insurance.
1: Yep. I wasn't doing much different besides that. It was probably very similar patient numbers and and amount of time I was working.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And let's see what this number was in hygiene, production per patient, 116 to 120. So again, wasn't a big jump, but you can see at the end of the year how it started to increase in hygiene that production per patient. You think, you know, $4 a patient, well, times that, you know, you times it by number of patients. So where you really made up for it was in your restorative fees. Right. That's really where we saw that um, production per patient jump, that production per hour jump in 2018. And it's continued to do well and no patient complaints, right?
1: Yeah, no, I, we don't, we don't really have to deal with any patient issues regarding insurance,
0: which is wonderful. Yeah. It's amazing how easy it is. Now here's what someone's thinking. Oh no. But then when they call in and they say, do you take my insurance? Now your team has got to be able to answer that question on the phone. And and how do they do with that?
1: Yeah. Mostly it's yes. If it's a PPO, we do take your insurance. We are, we can bill your insurance company. And if they ask, we tell them we're out of network. We're not in network. Um, And some patients want to see an in-network dentist and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then we might not be the practice for them. Um, But for I don't know, a large majority of them, if you have a good reputation and you have a good uh, product and people want to come see you, then that won't
0: deter them. You get a ton of referrals every month. When we look at your new patient numbers, I, did, I could share those, but I didn't jump into it. But a vast majority of your 15, new, 20 new patients a month are coming from referrals. Mm-hmm. They're not coming from the insurance book. And we looked at it before. They weren't coming from the insurance book either. Right. Yep. They're coming from referrals, birds of a feather flock together. So once the, 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 existing patient base gets the point that, Hey, you don't have to be in network to use your dental benefits. I have yeah. in network. I have out of network benefits. Then they refer people, you. Oh yeah. Go see Dr. Kabliska. We work together. We have the same insurance. Go see him. Yep. Starts to not be such a big deal. And it's not the first thing out of people's mouths. Right. Exactly. Yep. All right. What would you say to yourself in 2014? <laughs> if you had to do it, I mean, maybe this is the right timeline for you. Maybe this is what how it had to happen. Maybe that the sure. growth and everything you need, but what would you say to someone in your position? To, you, you think back, okay, somebody just bought a practice or they've been in a practice for three or four years and they've got this insurance uh, PPO practice. What would you say to them?
1: I would say consider it. To myself, I would say consider it earlier. Drop okay. it. I, I probably wouldn't have done it initially when I first bought the practice because it was a big change, just becoming too much change.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, however, I probably instead of doing starting in 2017 or 2018 when we did it, I probably would have considered a few years earlier doing it.
0: Yeah. And and I think the other thing, and I'm, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but the emotion of should I do this? What would you? How would you? Talk yourself into this. What would you say to yourself in that regard?
1: It, it, knowing that it's going to work out. Mm-hmm. And I think the fear was if I do this, am I going to lose a lot of patience? Is it going to affect the bottom line? What kind of a you know a hit am I going to take and or is the office going to take? And knowing that it will work out, it will be okay. I mean, I think that's just the reassurance that would have been helpful or useful is not knowing, it's the unknown.
0: That's right. And, and obviously you talking to you would be pretty weird, but at least you'd be able to say it all works out on the other side of this.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Go ahead. I would encourage any dentist if I were speaking to them in the same position to do it, Yeah, that that it will work out.
0: Yeah. I, I think that's the biggest thing I want to make sure everybody's hearing is that I've never had, I've helped so many clients resign from insurance Now, I won't tell you to resign from it if it's a bad idea, first of all. But once we're in it, I've never had anyone have a bad result. I have one client who really, really, really wanted to resign from Delta as a premier provider. Just didn't want to do it. And so he made that decision to resign from premier. He he lost, I would say, 50 to 60% of his Delta patients. This is a $3 million practice it is still a $3 million practice. Even when it goes that bad, the void is filled. Why? Because hes there are really good people. They build relationships. People come to see you and those people refer more people. Birds of a feather flock together. The void is filled with other types of patients. And so I, I can't stress enough to the people who are listening. It's something to consider if you're all looking at the end of your month saying, how do I not have enough money left at the end of my month? I want to be able to pay my employees more, they're wanting a raise, but yet I'm working for the insurance company and their fee, then this is something to consider, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I really appreciate you letting us share your numbers. I think it's important for those to hear it. Not that it's for everybody, not that it's for every geographic location as well, but when we go through the parameters and the questions, it is something that we have to really look at your numbers and say, all right, does it make sense for you to do this? And do it the right way, like you said, you talk to every single patient.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yep. Is there anything that you would do differently in the process? Not like timing of it or anything like that, but is there anything that you would do differently if you had to do it over again? Something that you, you were like, Oh, I made this mistake and other people can learn from it.
1: You know, no, I, I actually, not that I can think of off the top of my head. It actually okay. went really smoothly. The plan that you and I laid out together was, um, worked exceedingly well. I mean, really better than I would have ever anticipated before we did it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm so glad to hear that. I think the only thing I I wish in our relationship was the Delta thing. Had we agreed done that, that would sooner, timing-wise. Now thinking about it, it's like, oh man, we could have done that so much sooner. That would have changed things on the production of a patient and, and just the health of the practice financially. So yeah. I'm so glad they have the opportunity. There's so many dentists that don't have the opportunity, they, they credential with Delta after 2012. They only have the option to be PPO. Right. So, all right. Awesome. Anything else you want to share with anyone? I feel like we covered it really well, but anything else you want to add to it?
1: No, I appreciate you having me on and uh, getting to share this. And hopefully it inspires some other uh, people to, to do something similar.
0: That's the hope. That's really the hope. So thank you, Dr. Kapliska, for joining me. As, as those listening, you know that All-Star Dental Academy can help you with coaching, training, that phone call, you know, you you wonder, are they saying the right thing up front? That's obviously something we can do. We obviously help with the numbers. You've seen that on the screen. And so if you're interested in getting All Stars help, just send an email to heather at allstardentalacademy.com. She's amazing. She'll be glad to help you out. And just want to say thank you to all of you listening, taking the time out of your schedule to invest in yourself. And until next time, go out there and be an All-Star. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Dental All-Stars. Visit us online at allstardentalacademy.com.